Let's take a ride into the minds of the faces on the train. Perceptions, influences, differences, and similitudes, one interactive moment at a time. One time during a storm, I saw a woman blocking a city bus with her van. The driver was huge, and he looked vexed at the insanely hard-headed female. Brianna, Carolyn, and the bus driver. Faces on the train. Sweet bird of youth. The day Auntie slipped and broke her neck in the driveway, it was not wet outside at all. In fact, nothing fell from the sky but cold. It was the sort of cold that left slick spots brought in by the wind. It was a cold that grew icy by blowing up against itself. When Carolyn got the call, she was in the middle of doing a hundred things. One hundred things that were instantly unimportant. She picked up her niece, Brianna, and they were in the van. When Grandma Frances rang in talking about Aunt May had fallen while opening up her car door when she was headed to town for groceries in the post office. Carolyn rerouted straight away to Grand Valley Regional, using the highway drive to clock the child's state-mandated affidavit hours for her learner's permit. Carolyn had been at the store where she had specifically gone to get three bundles of socks, plain black socks, and nothing else. This was the kind of shopping she usually did as winter settled in, when summer started to suddenly seem like just one wonderful second ago but Christmas had not quite sparked a warm excitement. These were the errands to be run when she realized her feet were cold and had been cold for days and may never be warm again. For Carolyn, these were the feelings that ushered in the winter months. They had pulled over quickly to switch drivers, adjust the seat, tilt the center mirror just so, and the mirrors on the side. Carolyn was shifting into instructor mode. Withdrawn into her thoughts, she could not shake a nagging image of her favorite auntie, flat on her back, underneath the car in front of the house, waiting for paramedics. Brianna could not get to Grand Valley Regional faster, only slowly and safely, and they could not not get to Auntie May. The snowflakes came in a decorative dusting. They spun and swirled down, down, down. Are you sure you want to drive all the way out there this evening? Come on, precious. They're likely to keep her overnight. Carolyn was still holding the jabbering phone, where Mother seemed concerned for her lifelong friend, but forgetful that Carolyn herself was well set in her own full-blown womanhood. Mama's agitated tone was that of a worrisome young mother, bundling a toddler to build a snowman in the yard. I'll call you when I see her, she told Mama disguising her voice to sound like a pair of twinkling eyes. She relaxed into the rhythm of switching lanes, listening for blinkers, looking over her shoulder, and extending reinforcing pats to the child's leg. Carolyn had let go, breathing through the nervous delight she always felt as the girls became ladies, with driving and sports and just more complicated outings replacing little popcorn watch parties. This was her third round of driver's ed., and she had learned it best to appear not to notice anything at all. Building confidence by overlooking little things was surely the most concentrated charade of her mothering efforts. She called it loving from the back of her head. Auntie May cried and laughed and fussed all in the first moment when they rushed to the side of the bed. 
They surrounded her, fluffing pillows, tucking sheets, clearing clutter from the rolling tray, twisting the blinds open and shut again. They moved every object in the somber room, and nobody stopped talking. So scared, you know I'd come. Leave old auntie coming out in the cold. What grade now? A crossword puzzle. That darn sealed blacktop. What did they say? You'll need rest. Good Lord. Half to death. I'm so sorry this all happened. Thank you, girls, for coming. Your Auntie May is clean worn out. Shut that light and leave that door ajar. Y'all go on and go. And their mother wit, medicine, had taken root. Outside, the snow was a glossy crystal jungle. Mountains and piles, blankets and mounds of white and sheets of solid ice. This was a frost-dip world they had returned to, so Carolyn drove. Slowly, slowly, slowly they moved at the speed of a steady, heavy-loaded horse. And that's when they saw the dying man screaming in pain on the side of the road. He looked like a madman, bellowing and wincing out in anguish. Carolyn made not one move to assist. But the child was insistent and pleading, Oh, Auntie, we absolutely must help him. Her spirit latched on to the addicted leper like a mother licking birth from the fur of a pup. He was dying in a snowstorm, waiting for the bus. We implored him to stand, to make something normal about his look. We could call him a cab. He howled and groaned like a grizzly in a hunter's trap. Carolyn dismissed her cynical assessment that he would rob them on the spot. He was truly too pathetic, she now saw. He could not stand. The white man's face was dirty, and his feet were turning purple-black. She remembered the black socks. This man was freezing to death in the short time the bus had been delayed. His shoes were off, and the sock was frozen to his skin. Relief spilled down his posture as he added layers of the brand-new dry black socks. His gaze full of shame, he accepted the shoes off of Carolyn's body. She tossed them from the window of her car, her boots, searching herself for some honest generosity. She found irritation. She found fear. She found helplessness. And it made her feel small and sickly. She found an almost frozen stone of hope. That was her heart. That was the strength she used, that enancy bit, to share the boots off her feet. Turned on all fours and tormented with stiffness, the dying man lifted himself to standing as the city bus floated into view. It looked like a ship sailing over a snowy ocean. The bus was her permission to distance far away from the whole wretched scene. Overwhelmed, she held no regard for the life she had saved. The police would have shot him and imagined homicide an act of mercy, God's work. His whole soul was a vacuum of endless loss and he smelled of death by frostbite in the snow. The child had led them toward the gleams of heaven with her willingness to help. Carolyn washed him into history in a warm tub of bubbles. 
He left her ears through forceful piano notes, bouncing through the speakers, hanging on the bathroom walls. Her niece Brianna had saved the man's life, and Carolyn caught a chill just bearing witness. Dry and comfortable and warm, she spiked an unexpected fever and bundled with hot tea on the sofa. Nisi swabbed her auntie's head and nodded in and out to the tones of her hypnotic breaths as they sat quietly together in the dark. Who will come for us when we are old? Little Brianna asked out loud. Oh, child, the great spirit will come, of course, and we will feel the weightlessness of 7,000 skies. We who are the angels of all bird kind, soaring past the sun. Let me explain something on old. Old is only noticed from the outside, and you're likely not to see it wrapping itself around you. Tending to the same this and the same that, you'll carry on as the pauses in between last longer. And you never sit down from sorrow or from pity. Please, baby, give me a sip of water. And Brianna held the straw to Auntie's trembling lips. She continued, You'll sit because your bones are trying to remember secrets. Then make your muscles tight like the strings of a fiddle. You won't get old, sweet bird. Your music changes and you dance on a staircase star-sprinkled with glitter. I would have driven on, little Bree. You saved that man. Carolyn's eyelids fluttered, and she drew her last breath. Good night, sweet bird. Rest well. And with that, her spirit lifted. We can train ourselves to respect our feelings and transform them into language so they can be shared. Audrey Lord, Sister Outsider. Faces on the Train is written, narrated, and produced by Felicia Chappelle with creative director Will Walker. Audio engineering and production assistance, Mary Evans. Music composition, Umvikeli G. Scott Jones. Content editor, Connor Jameson. Special thanks to Bomani Moyenda and Khalil John. Graphics, Miss Hanifa Jones. Email us at info at womenworkwonders.com or follow us on Instagram at womenworkwonders. Wonders. Thank you to our entire production team, and thank you very much to our listeners. Catch the next episode of Faces on the Train.